مرحبا بكم في بودكاست اللفة الأخيرة. And that everybody certainly wasn't me with my uh, word perfect Arabic translation of Welcome to the Final Lap Podcast. Um, sorry about that. I'd like to have uh, delivered that one to you in person, but unfortunately I couldn't find a phonetic translation of our intro uh, anywhere on the internet in time. Um, so next time I'll have one in perfect Chinese. Oh shit, Sean. There's like What? about 15 different types of Chinese. Which one yeah. am I going to do it in or do I have to do all of them? Uh, there's Mandarin and there's what's the other one? What's the Hong Kong? Cantonese. Those are the two main ones. Maybe maybe cover those two. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll do one. You do the other. <laughs> okay. Well, you ha you have to say, um, "How's it going, everybody?" In, oh, yeah. in perfect Mandarin. <laughs> we'll get Dean on to do that. <laughs> well, welcome everybody to the final lap podcast. A breathless podcast. Sorry, we're a little bit late coming on. Um, I was very ill across last week, which made me completely incapable of talking uh, without coughing every 30 seconds, let alone doing a full uh, full podcast for you guys. So apologies about that. Um, but running late, sounding great. We'll get on with our review of the Bahrain Grand Prix. A catch-up of all the news that's going on in F1 at the moment, and there's quite a lot going on at the moment. And we'll have a quick preview of the Chinese Grand Prix, which is coming up in a little over five days. So we should probably start, I suspect, with um, probably the most, ex well, I say pro it was, in fact, the most exciting Bar Bahrain Grand Prix that has ever been. Without, without question. Uh, after us slating the track uh, left, right and centre for the last couple of, couple of months, it was, without question, the best Grand Prix in that, at that track ever. And a really, really enjoyable, enjoyable day's racing. Is there something, is there one thing we can put that down to, do you think? Um, you'd have to say Mercedes allowing their two guys just to go at it. Mm. I mean, it so could have been the other way. If, if, if Lewis and Nico hadn't been allowed to fight it out, it probably would have been a real, I mean, there was some decent action further back, but... It was all about those two at the front at the end of the day, wasn't it? Yes. Although uh, the amount of midfield battles was was what really made most of the race, I think. Um, the Mercs dueling out was, um, uh, I don't know how you'd put it really, like watching uh, a lightsaber fight. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? In the, in the technical prowess and all of the sort of special effecty kind of things, but they were two people doing that. Whereas the midfield battle was more like, um, uh, what's the, like the middle of, um, of a mosh pit. <laughs> It was just going off all over the place, um, here, there and everywhere. Uh, and I think that's, that's what we want. Do you know what I mean? It's not that we as fans need tons of different teams at the top fighting it out. Just as long as people are fighting it out, there's no point in having four seasons of, you know, one person winning everything and there being no real fighting bar maybe the you know that sort of first year. Um, because that's not what we want to see. We'd rather see Merck, or I, I certainly would, would rather see the Mercs being able to pull out a second and a half a lap on everybody, so long as they're fighting, and everybody else much closer and fighting for the rest of the points. Yeah, I agree completely. At least the, the difference this year is obviously last year. 
if you if if, if, the, if it had been last year, you'd have had Vettel in front and Weber in second, and you know, and you, you knew that in reality. I mean, I know we had the multi twenty one stuff and whatnot, but in reality, they weren't going to be allowed to properly fight. Weber was never going to be allowed to to beat Vettel, but now with with the, the Mercs, certainly they seem to prove at, at the weekend that you know. Just go at it. <laughs> as long as the cars get brought home safely, go at yes. it. It was really refreshing to see. Excuse me, because I, I, I had, I did think that you know, with, with about ten laps to go, oh, they're just going to bring these cars home. They're not going to be allowed to fight, but they were. So it was great. It was great. It was great to see for after so many years of team orders. <laughs> Bit too early for comparisons to Senna Prost. That was what I thought right away when I was watching it. That's what I thought. So probably a bit too early, but certainly you can you can see why why people would perhaps say that. Hmm. More of a Senna Prost than uh, Jensen and Lewis were in the Merc uh, in the McLaren, I should say. Sorry. Yeah. Which is what everybody thought it was going to be. So, but that's um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I can disagree with anything you've said there. It was um, just, uh, just, yeah, picture-perfect racing. Um, so we started off with uh, Lulu on pole um, again. I think that might become a bit of a fixture. Um, who was second? I can't, it's been so too long now, isn't it? I've completely forgotten. Rosberg was second, wasn't it? I think so. Uh, um, um, um. Help me out here. I can't remember. Bottas. Uh, oh, was it Bottas in third? Yeah. Oh, yes, because he equaled his best thing. And Perez in fourth, wasn't it? Or, or fifth? Uh... No, we're not doing very well here. Oh, well, there we go. Quali. Let's have a look at this. Was Rosberg on pole? Rosberg was on oh, pole. Oh, Rosberg was on pole. <laughs> <laughs> got, went back. Hello, everybody. We are your F1 experts here, telling you everything you need. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, yeah, so indeed, yeah. Rosberg on pole from Hamilton. From Bottas, uh, and then Perez was fourth. Reichen in fifth. Button sixth. Felipe, Magnussen, Fernando, Vettel. Yep. But, must be noted... Ricardo was qualified uh, third or fourth. We had a 10-place grid penalty for the unsafe release back in Malaysia, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that, that demoted him right back outside the top 10. So he had a double, double-edged sword there. He couldn't have the, the choice of tyres, and he didn't have track position either. So right away, back against the wall for poor Ricardo, who's luck. It doesn't rain, but it pours, doesn't it? It does seem so, but hopefully uh, maybe he's got it all out of the way in the first couple of, uh, of races. That would be uh, kind of nice. Suppressive his character. He's taking it right on the chin, and you know he's just saying he wants to keep, he just keep battling. I'm impressed by that from a from a mental aspect from Ricardo. So let's have a look at the um, at the race as a whole. Then, if we go uh, not lap to lap, but just uh, through the uh, bigger incidents. Um, really starting off with. Um, Jean-Éric Verne getting a uh, clout from a Lotus of, well, 
<laughs> I'll give you two guesses which Lotus it was. It's almost doing it on purpose. Just like, yeah, it's like I, nobody can be doing so many errors that that consistently without trying. I just don't believe it. No. And that's not even. Wait till we get on to his other one. And <laughs> yes. It was almost as if. Oh, they didn't recognise it was me in the first one? Right, I must do something really fucking memorable now. So, so yeah, um, poor Jeff is the unfortunate victim of, what did you call him last week? Loldonado or something? Crystal Loldonado, yes. <laughs> He's like a different victim every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes multiple. Yes, yes, he got, he got one or two this time. Um... That was it was it was it was pretty clean actually for the first lap, wasn't it? Um, although Bahrain tends to, it's got a big runoff area, so you don't tend to get too much crashing. One there. thing I particularly hate about the modern track is the big runoff area. Well, they should they should at least have a gravel trap on the outside of turn one. Yeah, I mean, if you make a mistake, I want you stuck in the gravel. You should be punished for making mistakes. Um, um, yeah, so Lewis takes the lead up into turn one. To my dismay, being a Rosberg man. <laughs> Rosberg's trying to fight back, uh, but he ends up uh, just not being able to, to quite pass his teammates. So Lewis, perfect start really, can clean get away and clear road in front of him. Exactly what he was looking for. Of course, uh, Massa also had an excellent start in the, uh, the Williams. An amazing start, didn't he? It's like four places or something, yeah. Yeah. Well. yeah. I think he ended up passing his teammate Bottas as well. So, this, uh, after Malaysia, they, those two were close again on track. So, that was interesting. Um, poor old uh, Kevin Magnussen had another little love tap with... Uh, yeah, that, that one seems to be running, doesn't it? Kimi Räikkönen. Räikkönen's radio, again, you know, it's, it won't be news to any F1, F1, F1 fan that, um, that Kimi Räikkönen is, uh, is entertaining on the team radio, but this was another classic. <laughs> He's what? hit me again! <laughs> 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 I love it. Love Kimi on the radio. Um... We were up to sort of lap six. We'd had a, a few passes already. I think um, Button had made a place um, on... Um, uh, who was it? Um, uh, pass, can't remember. Um, Nico Hulkenberg had made Hulkenberg had overtaken Alonso, hadn't he? That, well, he qualified in outside the top ten, I think, uh, that pretty clear he was out of position there that Mer uh, the Merck engine in the Force India is, is better better than that he, that car is much better than the position he qualified in and it was mm -hmm. quick just quick to uh, to make up some places and he was battling with the Ferraris after a few laps he was dueling out with Fernando Alonso not for the first time in recent memory no indeed uh, they seem to be stuck together uh, quite often on the track these days uh, so another another cracking start from from Hockenberg so we had, uh, at this point, you've still got uh, Lewis clear out in front from Vettel. Uh, Vettel? I've got a red Vettel on the screen there, sorry. Uh, from Rosberg, Vettel way down the field in about 10th because he, he qualified so poorly. 
And he started on the uh, he started on the um, prime tire, didn't he? He was one of the few people that did the yeah. opposite yeah. strategy. Um, yeah. Which g g tells you something, doesn't it? When you're starting your, you know, world champion outside of the the top ten, basically on on the alternate strategy, is your best chance of getting something from a race. Um, quite scary, really, for for Red Bull from last season. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I, I was uh, a bit concerned as someone who doesn't who doesn't like Red Bull after Malaysia. They looked not to be back, not to be anywhere near back as such, but just they looked like they would they were sort of right back in the hunt for at least the best of the rest behind the Mercedes. So uh, you can imagine my satisfaction when they both qualified down there. Down, well, I suppose Ricardo qualified all right, but he ended up down the grid because of his penalty. But yeah, seeing Vettel struggle never never ceased to put a, put a smile on my face. So um, yeah, the two marks clear out in front. Perez, who's been pretty quiet since joining Force India, uh, not had the best of luck. As this was by far his best race. Oh yes. Uh, popped it up, popped up to third at one stage early on on about lap 12. He was dealing with Felipe Massa. So, again, a much better stuff from Perez. Uh, we've got... Um, yeah, after that, we had a... <laughs> what could have been Mark Webber last season from uh, Sebastian Vettel with his DRS stopping mm -hmm. to work. And he is just never... Carl's never been quite 100% there in any of the races. There's always yeah. been something going on. But then that was what we said about, you know, the car, wasn't it, really, that it was going to be full of all of these tricky teething problems because of the Newey factor, uh, both a blessing and a curse, depending on the rules. True. Yeah, that's very true. The interesting thing at this point in the race, around sort of lap 12, 13, 14, 15, was everybody starts to pit slightly different times. The team's not quite sure exactly when. To, some team's going for the undercut. Some team's trying to... To stay out a bit longer, not entirely sure what the the best strategy was for tyres. So it got really messy, and it was really difficult to figure out where everybody would was going to shake out. You know, it was getting to the point where someone in like eighth could could take a pit stop, and if he pitted a couple of laps before the third place guy, he could leapfrog himself right up like all those positions. It was, mm. it was it. That's for me what made the race so entertaining, the strategy aspect from it there, because the teams were kind of not 100% sure what was going to work out the best. And, of course, later on you had the safety car, which we'll come to, and that that changed it even more. But, hmm. uh, yeah, that's what made it the most... That was definitely what made it most interesting for me. You would have um, Bottas going well in, like, third or whatever, but then somebody would undercut him, and he'd slip right down to, like, fifth, sixth, seventh. So, well, ironically, that was... He was the first person to really do... He, he pitted quite early. Yeah. Um, he was about the second or third pitter, and... He popped out in front of Massa. Massa stayed out for, uh, I think, even two or maybe even three laps after he pitted. And, um, yeah, ended, up, it, ended yeah. up behind him. Um, yeah, so that's definitely one thing that I would take from this race. Is <laughs> the other thing, lest we forget, was Sebastian, Daniel is faster than you. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, yeah. Was there a sweeter sound than saying it? Refer to Vettel. He's, and he even said, I'm going to let him through at turn 10. He, yep. he wasn't pissy about it. He just said, this is what, let him know. He can go past then. I mean, 
in a way, if you think about Massa last week, isn't that the sensible thing to do? You just go, okay, that's fine. I'm going to tell him when it happens so that we don't crash and nothing goes wrong. I'm not going to, you know, uh, I'm not going to make things difficult or dangerous so that, you know, we've got to, um, we've got to get on and, and do this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just, and you know, I, I, I've always said, I've maintained for a long time, that it's, I don't actually, I don't dislike Vettel all that much. It's, it's Red Bull that I don't like, and if you put Vettel on a Ferrari tomorrow, he'd become my favourite driver. So, um, yeah, that was, that was, that was classy from Vettel. It's great. It's an, it's an insight into how he, how he thinks and stuff. And it, it doesn't surprise me that he did that either. You know, for all of his, all the things people say about him and Weber's relationship over the years. Vettel has always struck me as, you know, he, he knows the game, he knows it's F1, he knows it's a team sport, and he'll, he will do the right thing if it, if it push comes to shove. So. I think the uh, the whole point with the multi-21 thing was is that he didn't, it, he wasn't in a position where he had to care. Um, do you know what I mean? It was um, patently obvious he was the number one by a long way in the team at that point. What were they going to do to him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, you to fire your three world, two-time world champion. Whereas I think now he realises he's got a new guy, a, a guy who's clearly capable of, you know, really pushing him and pushing the car, even in situations where maybe he can't. Um, that he can't sit there and hold sway because it could easily be that, you know, he needs those favours further down the line from a guy with, um, you know, the car under him. I definitely think... He's been surprised by how handy Ricardo looks. I'm, I've been surprised. I think everybody's been quite surprised by how well Ricardo's taken. And despite all of his bad luck, he still looked very solid. Uh, like even qualifying here, I mean, Vettel was struggling in tenth or eleventh, and Ricardo still managed to pop it into third before his penalty. So, you know, he's he's getting. He seems to be getting a little bit more out of the limited Red Bull than Vettel is at the moment. Hmm. Which is interesting. We got our first bit of the Mercedes uh, lightsaber duel that we've been talking yeah. about after that. As, um, one. Ding, ding. <laughs> it rather set the tone, didn't it? Um, yeah, ballsy move from Rosberg. Um, uh, Starting to struggle on the tyres a little bit more than, than Rosberg, I think. Mm. But I think he knew he had, he had one lap to get in ahead of when Hamilton wanted to pit. So he had to do it. So he was just like, right. And I think you've got to be pretty, you know, confident in yourself and the car to try and outbreak Lewis Hamilton, who's, you know, a bit of a last of the late late breakers. He likes to um, carry as much speed up until the last moment in the corner. Um, he's not a break early, accelerate hard out. He's, you know, fast in as best as possible, get to the corner before anybody else. So, you know, sort of fair play for Nico for sticking at the side. But then... To see Lewis just hang it out, you know, stay in the slipstream and then just hang it out around until the the corner came back to him was just like, whew. Um, and Rosberg wasn't too pleased on the radio. No, um, it was a little choppy, mm-hmm. a little choppy. But well, uh, what what can you do? You, you, somebody has to take the road at some point. And I'm a I'm a Rosberg fan, as we all know, and. Even I, I was saying there was nothing, nothing in that. that I, I wouldn't want to see anybody penalised for that kind of thing. I'm a big fan of just let them race. They, 
the professionals and uh, like it's racing, you know. You can't you can't neuter it too much. I'm, I would I would be very disappointed if if anything was to if we, if we got to the stage where that kind of thing was getting penalised. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um... So Lewis manages to stay in front somehow for a, for a couple of laps back and forth, and uh, dives into the pits, getting the the one lap extra, uh, one lap earlier. Sorry. Than Nico, which proves to be pretty much all he needs to, to keep the lead because he gets out on the fresher tyres, can put in a decent lap, and Rosberg's really got absolutely no chance of stealing the lead then. No, and I think that's I think um, if they weren't already, and I think they probably were, um, they I think they made the decision to go onto the alternate strategy of going um, mediums in the middle once Rosberg had lost the lead. Um, and he was stuck yeah. behind Lewis. I think they went, right, we'll, we'll go the mediums, and what we'll see if we can do is give ourselves the chance later on, because if we just follow him for the rest of the race, it's probably going to be... Um... Not enough. No. Yeah. No. no I, was, I, thought, I agree. I think it was worth a gamble. They were so far out in front of everybody else that they were was all... It, they were th- was it 30 seconds by lap 21? Yeah, ahead of Bottas. Yeah, so something else, isn't it? Uh, it showed the pure pace of the Mercs this weekend. Like they were really in a. De- it was the way, and like I said, we'll come to the safety car. But they just after the safety car, they just pulled ahead and like in no time at all. It was phenomenal. So yeah, um, yeah, Lewis put on the on the softer tyres and uh, Nico going for the primes. So different different change of strategy. But like I say, um, you can't. You can't really blame them for rolling the dice and seeing what's happened there. Back no. in the field, uh, again, it's, it's so, it's, it was so chaotic, it's hard to keep up with what was going on down in the field. But they were all, you basically had the two Williamses, the two Ferraris, the two Force Indias, and the two McLarens, and the two Red Bulls just all everywhere. Yes. <laughs> chopping and changing at all times. Um, we got up to about lap 24-25, and we... Um... We thought we might get a bit of fireworks because Massa was behind Bottas at this point um, and Massa was going on the radio saying that uh, Bottas was losing his tyres and we were thinking, uh-oh, is this going to be a, uh, you know, Valtteri, Felipe is faster than you and then watching the sparks fly. Um, but we were denied that as uh, pretty much as soon as we heard from Massa that the tyres were going off, we heard from Valtteri saying, I need to box, I need to box. Yeah, that's right, right away. <laughs> Yeah, I like Bottas. He's another one. Uh, like we said last week, it must be a finish thing because the team radios are brilliant. <laughs> Speaking of finish, we had uh, Kimi Raikkonen in that Ferrari, I say with bated breath, yeah, not having another best of uh, best of uh, weekends. He was uh, battling with Vettel at one stage about lap 25, but he was only ninth and didn't really get much better for Kimi. Pretty disappointing. Yeah, um, lap twenty-eight now. Uh, Williams, who I wonder, you know, I wonder what they're feeling about their season so far. Whether they're disappointed or they've just got to be happy that they're they're fighting for the points. Um, but lap twenty-eight, masses passed pretty much by Sergio Perez, and then almost immediately by Nicky Hulkenberg as well, um, yeah. showing that the Force India had turned up with something special. Um, to that race. I think Massa probably had his tyres were kind of going off by that point. 
But yeah, the Force India look look very handy, got to say. I think I think it's evident that Massa's tires were going off though because he pitted just a couple of laps later. Uh, but yeah, not take nothing away from both the Force India guys, both their drivers and the team for for turning up with that car. Impressive stuff. The next uh, next kind of piece of uh, it was well, it was all the pit stops really. Everybody seemed to sort of duck in around um, the very early laps. Thirty it was it was actually probably the busiest the pit lane was at any point during the race really, other than um, uh, around. Well, we'll get back to the. I was going to say the McLaren garage later on in the race really. <laughs> um, hmm. So yeah, as you say, uh, Felipe comes in with uh, Alonso and um, poor old Roman Grosjean tr tr trickling somewhere along the uh, the back of the field. Um, Otas is out again, isn't he? So he um, is fighting Daniel Ricciardo for eighth place. Um, oh yeah, there was an incident here, wasn't there? With Kimi was really slow in the first corner, and it was Ricciardo had to. Was it either Ricardo or Bottas at the break, and one of them went off and ran right, right wide and deep at turn one. Um, I think, it I, think I think it was Bottas. Yeah. Yeah. Kimi um, was quite slow. He must have braked pretty early, tentatively, and uh, I don't think Bottas was overly happy about it. Had Raikkonen just pitted? Was he coming out of the pits? I can't remember now. I think he was just slow on that bloody Ferrari. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah, Bottas just avoided running into the back of Kimi. Basically, had to get slammed on the brakes. Yeah, he went went really place, wide. Wasn't a place to Ricardo. Yeah, it could have easily been a much uh, a much bigger incident. And right enough, just a few laps later, had the uh, both them, both Ricardo and Bottas, managed to pass the ailing Kimi Raikkonen. So mm. Wasn't like I said before. It's not not. No, Kimi won't be won't be uh, sending a DVD of this one to anybody. I don't think. Up the front, uh, Lewis is obviously with a different strategy. Strategies. Lewis was able to pull out a decent little lead. He'd worked up to about eight and a half seconds. And uh, Perez for the Force Indias, as we've mentioned, doing a great job in third. Yeah. So about lap uh, thirty-four, thirty-five, it was uh, Hamilton from Rosberg, uh, Sergio Perez going very nicely in third. Uh, f just ahead of his teammate uh, in fourth, Jensen Button was running a uh, very respectable um, uh, sixth place uh, ahead of Sebastian Vettel and, and seeming to be fairly comfortably ahead of Sebastian Vettel, really. Um, uh, with Bottas in eighth, um, who was uh, oh no, wait, is that seventh? Hang on a minute, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That makes no sense. Anyway, yeah, so uh, it was Vettel, Bottas, then Ricardo, then Massa, uh, and poor old Felipe um, hanging on at the back in uh, in ninth. Yeah, so Perez pitted and then came out farther back down the field, which put Nico Hulkenberg back up into third. Uh, and like I say, again, everybody's pitting at this point and it's difficult to keep track where everybody is but they're all chopping and changing at such a ferocious pace but like I said it's what made it such an interesting race and at no point 
at all, pretty much. Did you say, oh, you can see it's going to be M3, M4, M5, M6. Slightly the way you could in Malaysia the week before. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of that. Even And at least up front. Sometimes you'll get someone in one and then battles all down the field. But this team, at least you had battles all down the field and then you had a one and two who were both capable of beating each other. So it kept you... You know, from from the first very first position right the way down the field, there was there was excitement. It was great. Uh, absolutely. Um, although I suspect um, <laughs> Stefan Domenicali, as we will get to later on, was probably very sick and tired of watching the Force Indias yeah. um, <laughs> zoom past the Ferraris remember. like they yeah. were stationary. Um, Every time they would they'd just come right out behind a Ferrari and just drive around it, it's just embarrassing. Um, Poor Marcus Ericsson retired on lap 37. Yep. And Off to go and eat some fish and chips or something to make himself even heavier than his teammate. That, um, that, that started a, a spate of retirements over the next few laps. Of the, uh, yes. The, uh, lap 41, possibly the most exciting uh, crash in F1 I've seen in a good couple of years at least. Probably the best one I've seen since uh, Roman Grosjean nearly killed Fernando Alonso. <laughs> well, it, um, I was um, very much reminded of um, Martin Brundle's yeah. kind of accident in Australia, although it obviously wasn't uh, quite at the speeds um, that that one was, but the, the sort of action of the car was uh, very reminiscent. Um, there's, one in, there's one in 99 where I think I was at 98. Pedro Denez ended up upside down in a cyber, I think. So yes, yeah, yeah, it was like that. It was a, it was a pretty scary one for poor Esteban Gutierrez. <laughs> Did you hear his radio call though? <laughs> like any normal person would, be, what the fuck? And he was just like, wow, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like understatement of the year, Esteban. <laughs> I tell you what, that was Esteban. That was Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> the king of crashes himself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Yeah, um, like I said earlier, just he wasn't happy with that first one. He didn't do a good enough job. Was, he must have been going around for forty laps fuming. About <laughs> so what was he coming out? Was it? He was coming out of the pits. Yeah, and, and then Pierre is coming down the straight on the outside, and, and then goes to take the corner, and well, just drives into just the like, <laughs> No, I'm uh, I'm going to take the apex and onto the outside of the corner. So if you're in my way, fuck you. If you haven't seen it, anybody who may be listening. You get that on YouTube because it was a cracker. Flipped right over the poor Esteban in the in the cyber. And the most interesting thing about it, and it took them a couple of minutes in commentary to to point this out, but it was in fact it looked to me as if the low noses was probably to blame there. But it certainly is on the. I think the Lotus is probably the worst with the double nose thing. Yeah. Um, it's much scoopier. It's much a it's a much wider thing to get under. I wonder if some of the vanity noses because we've seen it on the um, the McLaren or the Merc, that the end of the nose is just completely hollow. And I'd imagine that if that's smacked into the side of stuff, it would probably break off fairly easily. Yeah. Definitely. Whereas the double nose, the double cock of the Lotus, um, it's a triple cock, isn't it, really? Because you've got Pastor Maldonado in the car. So. Hey! <laughs> um, you see it all night, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would have thought that the... the the more weight would have been able to have been taken yeah, on that I, nose. I, I see your logic, definitely. I wonder if... Adrian Newey was one to point out, I think, in in the winter, about the possibility of that happening. And now we've seen it 
once and possibly I think there might have been an incident in one of the first two races that someone mentioned that might have had a similar reasoning behind it. I just wonder if we haven't seen the last of us yet. This is going to rumble. And... It's really difficult, isn't it? Um, to go off of the, the sort of uh, GP for a second. If you, you remember when Vettel speared into the side of uh, Buttons McLaren and just like yeah, spy, yeah. punctured the radio. If, if you think if those side pots didn't contain masses of stuff that absorbs all of that energy, you are just punching a nose through at chest height into the area that the the driver is sat in. Yeah. Not even chest, like face height. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Like what's the <laughs> what's the happy medium there, really? The lower the nose, you're right, it's got a chance to go under. But I don't know, is is it better that they did what they did this time in that it sort of shuttled the cars away from one another? Um rather mm -hmm. than puncturing one another, or is it better that they it's crash sound and... ridiculous, but flipping an F one car over like that, I mean the driver is probably going to be fine ninety nine times out of a hundred. It depends at the speed of course, but like I mean, look, Gutierrez walked away on her. You're more likely to break a bone if you go into a wall, like Schumacher and uh, mm. Silverstone or whatever. If you go in into a tire wall at pace like that, you're probably more likely to, to break, a, break a bone or something than getting flipped over. But I suppose it depends at the speed. If, you'd caught, if that was double the speed, Gutierrez could have rolled over five or six times and then we could be talking. I suppose I guess the thing is, is that how often do you get those side to nose incidents at at speed and yeah you know yeah. At, at speed is it going to be better is it more likely to that the speed is going to make them sort of flick away from one another but i mean it's quite scary if you you know if if there's a chance that the cars are going to slide up the nose towards the driver then those um, kind of incidents tend to happen under braking in the slow corners when mm. overtaken so it's not like you're not going to get somebody cruising to the side of someone at 200 miles an hour down the straight, are you? So. No, I, I guess we've yet to see somebody really um, slide under the back of somebody at speed. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens when that does. You'll just end up with a Ferrari sitting on top of Maldonado's head. Yeah, I mean, we kind of had it in the first race because Kimi went into the back of Felipe and it did lift the back of the car up, but it didn't flick it up and it didn't send the Williams into the cockpit of the Caterham. Oh. So I guess we'll wait and see on that one. Yeah, um, that one's uh, yeah, to be to be determined. But, um, so the safety car comes out, naturally. <laughs> As so, there um, isn't. <laughs> did, uh, did Maldonado continue? Was he he did. I think he, I think he finished the race. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Poor Gutierrez, however, is uh, well and truly not in the race. And someone else who isn't in the race is uh, the McLaren drivers. So certainly Kevin Magnussen at this point, whilst the safety car is out, uh, has pulled up to the side of the track. And it was quite a forgettable race for Magnussen, all in all. He didn't really... Well, he, he twatted Raikkonen. Um, and whilst I think Kimi can say that maybe that did him some damage, I think it did a lot worse to yep. um, Magnussen. Who couldn't afford to pit to I think to repair it? Lost a bucket load of time, I think. Uh, and it just went back, so he was up quite high, and then and then ended up that was in most of the race was around thirteenth ish, one way or t'other, and then uh, I believe it was gearbox um, that went. Um, 
I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I think uh, off the top of my head, it was the same problem for both of them. Or it was the same part of the car for both of them. I definitely know that. I think it was gearbox. I'm going to say gearbox. So um, safety, car, safety car's out and you've got the two marks well and truly in front. But the most interesting thing, of course, is uh, Lewis is on the soft tyres. Uh, sorry, aye, Lewis is on the soft tyres. Nico's on the prime tyres. And Lewis has just spent 15 laps building up a gap. And he's gone, gone completely. So you're thinking at this point, advantage Nico. And I'm sitting rubbing my hands together. Uh, the two the two cars behind them, the best of the rest, the two Force India are sitting in third and fourth. So like we say, excellent stuff from those two. But in at that point, fifth, ahead uh, of Vettel and Ricardo, and then Massa and Bottas. Two worms he's lost out a bit in the safety car, I think. That It really screwed them. I, th yeah. I think they would have had um, enough to keep ahead of people, but then it's just... The way the safety car worked out, I think people pitted at the right time and just yeah didn't work out for the Williams at all. Um, it also didn't work out for Jensen Button, although um, clearly that ended up being a mechanical issue as much as anything, who started in about sixth, um, and about two laps after the uh, safety car had gone in, um, had found his way to about 11th um, in a really very dismal last few laps for McLaren to have their... Um, I can't remember what the record was, their first um, two-card DNF for uh, yeah. like about about four years, I think it was. Which I was uh, quite impressed when I heard that stat. Uh, good effort from the McLaren guys in terms of reliability there. But, um, yeah, the interesting thing now is Safety cars coming in. Uh, obviously, everybody pits under the safety car, which leaves Rosberg uh, primed on the uh, the better tyres to, to take Lewis. And uh, Mr. Paddy Lowe gets on the radio to both drivers with an identical message: "Can we just bring the cars home, please, lads?" Words to that effect. So at this point, I'm thinking, "Oh, they're not going to they're not going to let them race, are they? They're just going to hold position, and that's that sucks." But, much to wow. everybody's delight. <laughs> Were we wrong? Yeah, sheer delight. Brilliant stuff. So, immediately from the get-go, if the car comes in and bang, it's it's one-on-one -on -one racing, dueling between two top drivers and two top cars. Just fabulous stuff. Um, Nico Rosberg, um, sorry, not Nico Rosberg, Nico Hulkenberg, um, was developing something of a gremlin in his car, um, which, which kind of showed because from about lap 50 onwards, he just was just slowly dropping back away from the others whilst we watched Sergio Perez um, disappear into the Bahraini evening um, ahead he of everyone. Yeah, he was, he was clear best of the rest, wasn't he? he just um, Impressive stuff from Perez. Uh, there was a good battle between uh, Massa and Vettel uh, for uh, seventh and sixth, I believe. And that's you know that's great, isn't it, to see f a few laps from the end, people battling over sixth and seventh, Massa and. Every point counts, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It was good stuff, and of course you had um, the sheer pace of the Max was obvious here because after two laps out of the safety car, they pulled a six-second lead over the field. So that's three seconds a lap. Insane. But they clearly went. We saved more than enough fuel, lads. Turn everything up. 
there you go um i think it's the last race weekend for these engines as well so you know they were putting them putting them to bed i think so why not um give it everything you've got so we reached lap 50 and Rosberg's still hunting down Lewis. He can't quite get the job done. I think he got through at one point, but Lewis managed to to nip it back right away. Uh, he's got DRS, but he just can't seem to get past Lewis, who's defensive driving out of his skin. And meanwhile, Ricardo uh, overtook a certain Mr. Vettel <laughs> for position. And I think, I think it stayed that way. Hmm. Got back ahead, so. he was, that's right, he was complaining on the radio about lack of power on the straights. He just had no he had no top speed at all for the sound of things. No. Um yeah, a lot of the cars seem to be fading a little bit in the um at the end of the race. You'd be worried about um you know, the uh Red Bulls fading a bit because they had a new engine for this race. They um, they swapped, didn't they, um, the powertrain for this race rather than trying to eke it out one more race, uh, which is probably what McLaren should have done, given mm -hmm. that uh, Button retires um, by lap 54, I think. Um, uh, and that, that pretty much, that's pretty much, there was just, a, you know, once, once we got down to the last couple of laps, it all sort of shook itself out, really, didn't it? Everybody... Yeah, up until, up until about three laps to go, you thought Rosberg was going to do Massa, and, eh, sorry, do Lewis, but by the, I think with about three laps, it kind of looked as if Lewis had weathered the storm. The best of Nico's tyres were starting to go, the best of the softer tyres, and it just wasn't going to be Nico's day, despite him having the tools at his disposal. I think what, so, I think what they learned was that the there wasn't as much of the difference between the prime and the option tyre um, no. oh, that's true. As there were, and that um, in equally matched cars, um, whilst you did have the pace to attack, you know, with the with the prime tire, the option tire allowed you to defend longer, so it took less out of your tires to defend. So if you if you had the ability with all the ears and curves and and bits and pieces to, you know, have enough power to give yourself a chance against uh, somebody. You you could do it and successfully defend without taking so much out of your own tyres in having to dart across the road and, and what have you that um, you were you handed extra time back to the other person. So the final battle uh, once Lewis was able to hold on from Nico was for third. It looked as if Ricardo might actually be able to somehow steal a podium because Perez, I think his tyres must have started being going off towards the end, started dropping back quite considerably, but nowhere near enough to let the Red Bull pass him. So Perez managed to hold on for an excellent third. And uh, Ricardo fourth, which given he started... Given from 13th, that's... Uh, a... Excellent. I, I mean, a bar, eh, as well, you know. It's not exactly known for historic drives through the field. So no. Excellent. Uh, excellent stuff from, from both those young guys. Mm -hmm. It's great to see Ricardo do one on Vettel. And sort of, I mean, Ricardo started further down on the grid of them. With, and without the choice of tyre strategy, and still, still beat him home. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not much you can say about that, really. It was, um, and fairly convincingly, really as well. It wasn't yeah. by one or you know just a second or two. It was um, five seconds down the road. 
Uh, a respectable fifth place from Nico Hulkenberg. I think maybe a little bit disappointed that he couldn't challenge his teammate more, but if the car was developing gremlins, then I think you've got to take the points that you can get out of that. And, uh, it's just it's consistency for Hulkenberg that seems to be so good at the moment. He's he's always there and thereabouts, you know, regardless of circumstance. He seems to just be in that group fighting for third, fourth, fifth, sixth every week. And you've got to, Consistency will get you a lot of, long way in Formula 1. It will indeed. Uh, sixth for uh, Mr. Vettel, um, or Vettel, or whatever. <laughs> Which is it? Oh, it's Vett- Vettel, isn't it? It's just Vettel, yeah. Everybody thought it was Vettel when he first came on scene, and I'm pretty sure he was just like, no, it's just Vettel. <laughs> it's one of those ones that now, because I keep on, so, so I'm so conscious about pronouncing it wrong, I always do pronounce it wrong. It's like Ricardo. Everybody calls him Ricciardo, and that's just not his name. I know it looks that way, but it's not. <laughs> name's just Ricardo. And I had, he was on Sky Sports earlier, Jim White. Oh, God, I love Jim White, but... He like, never says it right. He's like, he Daniel never. Ricciardo. And it's like, no, Jim, it's just Ricciardo. <laughs> I've uh, got into a terrible habit again in, in looking at it and I'm going, okay, it's not Ricciardo, it's Ricardo. <laughs> so I instead go, it's Daniel Ricardio. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 tr- I put the I somewhere else so that I don't say it at the other place. Ricardio, that's my favourite one. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's what I'm going to call him for the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, Williams again. This is you know back to my point. Should they be happy or up or or sad about a, a consistent seventh or eighth place? I think you can be fairly philosophical and be happy about the points, but at the same time, a slight what could it have been if strategy had just worked out slightly better for them? Because that car's clearly got a bit of something. They'll be on the podium before long. If we assume that barring mechanical difficulties, Lewis and Nico are going to be on the first two steps every every week for the next few races, probably, possibly for the whole season, um, then there's always going to be that third spot on the, on the podium. And without a shadow of a doubt, in my opinion, Williams will have that spot at some point within mm-hmm. the next weeks, surely. Possibly yeah. even this weekend. So. Indeed, yes. Um Sad days for the Tifosi is uh, Fernando Alonso and Kimi Raikkonen perform a 1-2 of sorts, but uh, admittedly that's only finishing ninth and 10th. Um, well, less than a second apart. <laughs> so consistent. Consistently <laughs> pesh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Danny Kriak was 11th, another decent, decent drive, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? I think I think Toro Rosso were unlucky here in that this was a good track for more teams, yeah, uh, than some of the other ones where it's been bad for one or two of the sort of midfield teams and they've been able to take advantage. Big shout out to Lotus for managing to get both of their cars home. That's major progress. Absolutely. Although you'd have to say that Grosjean being a couple of seconds behind uh, Fiat at the end of the race doesn't bode well. Um, have you seen the Microsoft adverts for Microsoft the Cloud, sponsors of Lotus F1 team? The difference between winning and losing. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, yeah, you couldn't have timed sponsoring Lotus <laughs> any worse, could you? Maldonado somehow managed to take the uh, take the car home after the shunt with Gutierrez. Uh, and and he, te- he had a 10 second uh, stop go, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Which allowed. Uh, Max Chilton to take 13th, which is a very good performance from Max Chilton, to be fair. I, I think both the Marussia and the Caterham have shown that they've actually, the, the reset has actually been good for them this season. Um, they are not as as embarrassingly so far behind pace-wise as they have been. 
because um, yeah. because normally with a pace car sort of 12 laps from the end um you'd still expect them to be lapped by the end of the race and they managed to just about um just about avoid that so no, no, fair enough fair enough to them and you know hopefully they might get a point this season if something goes mental so. yeah be nice to see um so Lewis, uh, Lewis wins the race and uh Nico was not best pleased, <laughs> to say the least, after it. Yeah, very strange. Uh, I don't know whether it was just that he just, he just couldn't summon the right words to convey what he really meant, which was, you know, I'd, you know, I'd much rather have won, but what a race. When it, rather, rather made it sound like I'd rather lose to anybody than Lewis Hamilton, which is kind of how it came across. Um yeah, I wasn't quite sure what to make of that. What did you make of it? I think he just fought an extremely hard race and was a little bit, you know, you know, put on the spot. The emotions are running high. We all know that um, Lewis and Nico are good friends, so I don't think there's anything untoward there. I think Nico just had a bit, obviously, he's disappointed. Emotions are running high. It's sweltering in heat, probably, so... I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, who did we? Who did the? Who did the uh, podium questions? Is it Brian Johnson from ACDC? It was indeed Brian Johnson from. What AC a fucking DC. legend that guy is! <laughs> of all the people to, to bust out, <laughs> he was brilliant because all he did was ask them one question and then. Asked Lewis the sort of, how do you feel, champ? Yeah, I feel really good. And then he was just like, great, give it up for everybody on the podium. And then wandered off. And it's just like, that's actually what I want from my podium interviews. Don't try and ask them interesting questions or bits and pieces. Just ask them simple questions. Let them say their bits and pieces and then go. They're going to do the bloody driver's press conference later where they have to answer all the difficult questions. Just just get on with it. Absolutely. I agree completely. There's a brilliant picture of... Uh... Lewis smiling, shaking Nico's hand, and Nico just being like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Not too impressed, but like I said, I mean, we'll get him next time, won't we, Nico? <laughs> <laughs> but what I can just say, though, after that race was um, anybody who isn't on board with Formula One in 2014 needs to go and watch another sport, quite frankly, because that's the best Bahrain Grand Prix of all time, without a doubt. And a fantastic advert for motor racing. So, if you're not happy, then good for you. <laughs> yes, as um, as Nicky Lauda brilliantly said live on on Sky Sports, isn't it? Um, if anybody has is still saying that this new Formula One is boring, it's bullshit. Which <laughs> <laughs> is like, yes, Nicky, you genius. I'm really starting to like Nicky Lauda now. I like the fact that he's so completely unpredictable. You've yeah, like, literally got no the, way. He's playing the, the racist granddad gimmick to perfection. <laughs> <laughs> Just coming out and saying absolutely ridiculous things at extremely inappropriate times. <laughs> Love it. Uh, and so that was the Bahrain Grand Prix. I mean, um, Driver of what the day. a race. Uh, I am going to give that to... Do you know what? I'm going to give that to Daniel Ric uh, Ricardio. <laughs> Ricardio, of course. 
Yeah, I mean, great drive to get from 13th to 4th. Can't try and complain like that. In a car that clearly wasn't necessarily best suited to that track, I think he um, he squeezed every drop of life out of that to, that rebel to, to to get it that close to third place in the end. I think uh, I can't uh, argue with you, and I can't uh, discount Sergio Perez either for getting on the podium in that course India. But I think I, I think the only reason why I'd say I I put Ricardo above Perez and this is it's just because the Force India looks so good all weekend. Yeah, no, I, that's, I agree with you completely. Yeah, uh, and, and sometimes that's all it is. Is sometimes you don't, um, you know, you you don't get to uh, drive the the best car every weekend and and. Yeah, you still bring it home in the, in the same way that Alonso picked up so many, you know, sort of driver of the days in the last couple of years, where he's dragged the uh, the um, Ferrari to um, pretty yeah. Im- very impressive uh, sort of finishes. Um, so a wee bit of trivia here before we move on to the news. I'm just reading a wee stat here that Nico set a fastest lap of one thirty-seven, but do you know who holds the lap record? Hope you're not looking at the same bit as I am. The same information. Um, it's uh, I know it. I know it. It's more funny. That's why I asked. Is it Pedro de la Rosa? Yeah, it is Pedro de la Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> it is genius when you see that. It is. It's it's like suddenly finding out that Marc Genet holds the fastest lap around Monaco or something. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Where did that happen? And then McLaren in 2005. So well done, Pedro. <laughs> And the chances are that nobody's ever going to take him take that away from, is it? There's a there seems to have been a point where the cars are not ever going to get faster than that about that time. That's what's um, bad though, because look how quick the Mercedes was this weekend. They looked so lightning, they looked glow to the track, but they're six seconds a lap slower <laughs> than that record from only less than ten years ago. Mad when you think about it like that. It's it's very, um, it's very strange to to think that. I mean, that, and that's, you know, relate that back to the noise thing, isn't it? You just don't notice it. No. It's just, that's just the way that Formula One is. It's still Formula One, regardless of what engines are in there and all the other bits and pieces. Yep, completely, completely agree. Um, I hesitate to say who's your um, donut of the day. I mean, come on now. There is only one. <laughs> there was only one guy who had two crashes in the same race. I mean, it wasn't just the crash that he had the second one. It's the manner of it. It was just completely... Like, I wouldn't have had that crash. He just <laughs> drove into the side of him, like, completely... Like, 17-year-olds who have just passed their driving test would have avoided that incident. It was awful. <laughs> Absolutely awful. No, the donut of the day is not even up for debate, I don't think. Uh, just before uh, we move on, Rosberg still tops the championship, 61 points. Second place, of course, is teammate Lewis Hamilton on 50, 11 points behind. Lewis has obviously got two wins under his belt, but Nico has finished all three races, so he's up there still. I think we could find that being a very big thing, actually, that... Um... Yeah, you don't have to necessarily win every single race so long as you are finishing them yep. and, and other people are failing. Uh, and I think that could be uh, very much the um, the story of the midfield is you, you'll find the teams that manage to finish every single week could end up being the, the ones that really pull in the points. And, you know, if Williams and McLaren and, um, and Ferrari don't... Um, you know, don't finish all of the races. You could find a team like Force India 
pushing their way up. They look like they have a car that, that will finish races. Hulkenberg can still always get his car home. I know Perez has had a couple of problems, but that was changed this week again. So, definitely. And there's only uh, 10 points separating, I think, six or seven guys in, in the championship from Hulkenberg, who's sitting in third, all the way down to Perez, who's sitting in ninth. You've only you've got 12 points separating from third to ninth. That, that group includes Alonso, uh, the two Force Indias, the two McLarens, the two uh, Williamses. So it's so tight in there. And Vettel, of course, as well. We've got to forget the world champion. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. I've said the phrase a few times this podcast, but um, the best of the rest, who's going to get that third spot behind? behind mm-hmm. Yes. It's like, it's, like a, it's like fourth place in the Premier League, isn't it? It's like yes. a trophy. It can be. <laughs> yeah, we know who's going to go in those, these places, so let's look at what else there is to enjoy. Pretty much, yeah. So far, it's Hulkenberg leading the way. As we go back to him, he's been consistent. He's been really consistent this season. I think, he, I think he's got points in every race, has he? So, yep. Yeah, consistency will get you far. Brilliant. Uh, well, I think that wraps up um, Bahrain nicely. So, we should move on to the Formula One news. The Final Lap Podcast. And, well, is there a bigger news story going on at the moment? Well, probably not if you're a Ferrari fan. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> poor old Eric. Um, Ricking just today on Sky Sports News. Yeah, poor old Italian Eric Morecambe has uh, <laughs> parted ways with the uh, prancing horse. Um, Stefano is no more, which I'm very sad about because I like Stefano Dimicali uh, a lot. As a fan of Ferrari... I'm not overly sad about it. Uh, <laughs> I suppose it would be it would be me like saying I was very sad to see Neil Warnock leave Leeds United just because he occasionally gave interesting interviews. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Demichelli, he seems like a fine gentleman, but I don't know, he just never struck me as a, a, a leader, a natural-born bull by the horns, Ron Dennis... Ross Braun kind of figure that's going to get shit done. The McAllister's never had that aura about him. Even Christian Horner, for all his faults, kind of does. So he's a bit, he's a bit Martin Whitmarsh for me. He's just a bit. Blah. Yeah, nice guys do have a tendency to finish last in Formula One, and in two seasons, that's a has very definitely <laughs> appeared to have been the. Uh... Yeah, the most interesting thing about the whole situation is his replacement. Have you seen who's his replacement? Uh, it's uh, some guy from the American side of yeah, uh, Ferrari, isn't it? Some guy called Marco Maratti, I think, something like that. Who, uh, Marco Mattacci, I don't know how to say that. Excuse if uh, we have any Italian listeners. Marco Mattiacci, I'm going to hazard a guess that. Mattiacci, yeah. that looks about right. He is not. He's got nothing to do with F1, which is what's the most interesting thing. He's never worked in Formula 1 in his entire life. So uh, we'll have to just... Yeah. We'll get to see on that one. There's, who knows? What could, I mean, I heard an interesting theory. I think it was uh, our, our friend Ted Kravitz uh, suggested that earlier that this was just a this Machiachi character is just a a very temporary appointment while they go for someone from the Formula One side of things. He's more like a caretaker manager in football, which is interesting. And the next point, obviously, is the obvious one. That everybody's going to 
speculators is he temporary in charge while De Montezemolo tries to get Ross Braun to come back. That's... Uh, it would seem to be the obvious fit, although I I I wonder if if Ross is interested in going back to Ferrari whilst they're in the doldrums. Um, he has no need to go back and be the saviour of Ferrari, I think, for his own ego. Um, no, he certainly left there on a success, more or less. Uh, so I'd be kind of surprised. Um, you might want to come back and take it to Merck. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it didn't struck me that he left with so much venom that, you know, that was the case. I think he just, you know, they got to a situation where Merck decided they wanted something different, and he was just like, yeah, sure, no worries, not a problem. Um, At the end of the day, he's a Formula One man, so. Uh, well, you definitely never say never. I need to find out what Eddie Jordan thinks because that man, whatever he thinks, is fucking the truth. knows. <laughs> um. How, I don't know, but he knows. So I'm, we'll wait until... What... Whatever uh, EJ says this weekend. Yep, I would, I would actually put money on it. Um, um, yeah, I'm, trying to think, I'm trying to think of anybody else who might be around who might want to do it, but... Uh, I can't think of anybody. I think Whitmarsh is still employed by McLaren, isn't he? So <laughs> I think so. I'm not entirely sure what he's doing. But he's doing they've got that funny structure at McLaren now when they've got about five team principals. So. Well, yeah, Boulier isn't isn't titled oh, team principal, is he? He's, yeah, they've all got different names. It's sporting director and racing yeah. director and technical director of that. So. No, yeah. I, I don't know. We could wait and see, won't we? Ferrari traditionally... But when does when does Flavia Briatore's ban from Formula One finish? Oh God. <laughs> Don't say things like that. <laughs> it's bound to already be up. I mean, that was a while ago now. Probably look into that. How amazing would that be if you got Flavia Briatore back? I would love Flavio as the team principal of Ferrari. <laughs> I would love for uh, Briatore to be at somebody, but just. Not for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I'm assuming that it's just going to have to be one of those things that they probably have to promote from within. Uh, yeah, um, I, just, I would expect a promotion from within, but with a a, a sly pound on Ross Braun to come in. Yeah. I think that's probably fair enough. Um, in other news, uh, and there is a few bits of other news going around. Uh, Bob Bell, um, who's a name you've probably heard of, but maybe don't really um, know much about. Uh, he is the technical director, uh, having talked about that, uh, of Mercedes, and he has quit Mercedes. Um, there is a lot of speculation. that Obviously, it's linked to the Ferrari, but um, realistically, it seems to just be a coincidence. Um, that said, he was um, with both Benetton and Renault during their um, sort of heydays. Um, so he's, uh, you know, he's got some some pedigree in working with um, with top teams. So maybe maybe it's either it's serendipity, but will work out to be, uh, you know. Um, exactly how it ends up. It's curious that he's leaving at a time when they're 
in such a strong position. Hmm. Although it does say he resigned his position in December. So he'd already made the decision to leave before the season had even started, before cars had, ever, had even been on the track. Could be that he's going to go and do another Formula, maybe. Um, maybe he's just a bit fed up with Formula One and uh, with the way that the teams are going with these sort of very convoluted team structures. Maybe he's just not able to do the job that he really wants to do. Um, maybe yeah. he'll go and do a... He's working a year's notice. He's not leaving until the end of the season. So it seems quite an amicable split I mean, in comparison to some of the... That's true enough. See less amicable ones we've had over the years. <laughs> Absolutely. It will be interesting to see how that one plays out. Whether they Ferrari do hang on to this uh, guy until the end of the season, and then maybe uh, see if they'll uh, tap up Bell, regardless of whatever he thought he was doing. Interesting to note that um, obviously Bell was a Ross Braun guy, so it'll be interesting if Braun goes to Ferrari whether he'll take Bell with him. Could could well be as part of a team. Um. Interesting. Yeah, more to come on that one, I think, on the Ferrari one. Uh, that's going to rumble on, I think. Um, but thanks for the memory, Stefano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't win. I think he won one Constructors Championship in his time in charge. So, And that's been six years. So, yeah. yeah. He's he's no Arsene Wenger. <laughs> <sighs> Cheers. Um, <laughs> moving on. Um, good news I think is good news because um, I'd rather see more cars in the grid um, Haas Hoss. yeah absolutely the American um, NASCAR Supremo has had his uh, team bid accepted by Mr Eccleston so there will be a new team on the back of the grid next year touch wood <laughs> you know touch wood at that well point. I suppose that is true enough um, Americans attempted to break into F1 don't exactly have the greatest track records yeah but um, if anybody's going to do it Gene Haas is probably the guy so you'd hope a guy with racing experience would know the ins and outs of how to finance a team properly you know he seems, he seems pretty clued up shall we say he seems like he, he knows he knows his stuff. So, yeah. I really, really hope it gets going because it can only be a good thing for multiple points of view, surely. You've got more teams on the grid. I've always been a big fan of as many teams as possible. And then, of course, Formula One, growing in America, has long been desired. If we, if we've got the, the track in uh, Austin now, we can, get a, we can get a US team doing pretty well, then that would be just great for the sport in general. Great I think that's that's got to. Be, I think you know that we, we hoped that there would be a US F1 prodigy. It's never seemed to have materialised. They've never seemed to have cut the mustard in the lower formula. So there probably needs to be a way that American drivers have a bit of a slipstream into Formula One, um, and you know. What better than an American team? I, I'm waiting to see the car that will be draped in the Star Spangled Banner. No, of course. Um, it's going to have the best livery on the grid. <laughs> but it should do. They, they should make it as Team America as possible. Um, just to go, yes, we're I mean, the American it, fucking team. Yeah, the marketing and branding rights itself. Like the the southern the southern states racing fans will love that. Will lap that stuff up. <gasps> Sean, Sean. 
What? What if what if they make it out with the livery of the General Lee? Oh yes. <laughs> I know it's racist technically with a Confederate flag, but a fucking bright orange car with the fucking X of stars all across it. Oh. You'll never get away with that in modern, modern <laughs> society. Though. That's a problem. That's a real shame because that would have been awesome. I'd have uh, if they'd have done that. I'd have supported them for the rest of their existence. <laughs> America. Yeah. <laughs> well, what they'd have to be doing is aiming for all of the uh, drain hole covers like um, Grosjean did, so or uh, not Grosjean, um, Petrov did, like flying through the air, and they'll have to have a, another button on the steering wheel that goes <laughs> as they fly across the air like they did in the old Jigsaw Hazard. Uh, NASCAR Before... driver Carl Bush has been having his, uh, sorry, Kurt Bush. We have his uh, say on the matter. He thinks that the Gene Haas is the right man to lead the Formula One charge. So you know, he Kurt Busch is someone that's worked with Gene Haas in NASCAR. So right, good. It sounds like they're serious anyway. So bring it on, bring it on, Americans. Let's see what you've got. <laughs> Let's see if you can take on us Brits and the Germans. <laughs> yes, absolutely. How funny um, would it be if the Americans stood up and started cuffing Mercedes every week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'd um, <laughs> yeah, they'd like that definitely. <laughs> uh, one last thing, little story that's that's popped up, and um, I like it because I like it when um, you hear people in F one essentially agreeing with you. Uh, and it's Paddy Lowe's popped up to say um, basically that um, the F one rules should be stricter not um not more lax in in essentially in the way that uh, Red Bull are trying to say that they should be um and that uh, it, it's a bad concept that we should be trying to um change the rules already to um you know make up for deficiencies in the car that have appeared in the first 3 races of a season um yeah I agree with Paddy on that one you know, it seems to me that you know there's there's only so much any rule set can do, and you just have to let it play out. We need like we need two seasons of this racing to see whether it's good or not. And if it yeah. is good, then we should definitely be keeping it. Um, you can't judge on the first three races and start changing the rules really now. It's just nonsense. No, um, you know, absolutely, it's. Uh, it's only sensible that um you know we're we're presented with formula one rules that um are, are consistent they don't have to always make the most sense sometimes but um they have to you know they have to just you have to stick with them otherwise what's the point it's um it, it's pointless to absolutely we're into an entire next sort of generation of technology here we can't go up fucking about with that after bloody two weeks. This is nonsense. No. And I like it. I like the way it is. So. Well, I, yeah, I don't think they're... Um, <laughs> I don't think they're doing a um, a bad job. There was also um, uh, Bob Fernley, Force India principal, who's a guy I quite like. He's a very straight-talking kind of guy. Uh, thinks it's, it will be a tra travesty if Red Bull successfully appeal... The disqualifications on the basis that they feel that the um, technical regulation, uh, the technical directives, aren't really rules. 
um, on the basis that every fucking year up until now, everybody's turned up and treated them as if they were rules up until the point where somebody's gone. Yeah, that would be a dangerous precedent to set if, you know, teams are going to be doing what they like every week now if the Red Bull get away with that. So you can't you can't possibly set that precedent. You just can't. I, I'm not entertaining the fact that they will because they can't. <laughs> it's a bit like I've I, I made this point to, to, to somebody else. If you turn up for work on your first day, you pretty much always get given like a big staff handbook of all the, the rules and stuff that you've got to abide by. You probably never read it, but it's all in there. All the yeah. things that you, you should and shouldn't be doing. Now imagine if in the handbook it says, Fridays are casual Fridays. You don't have to wear a uniform on a Friday. Your boss comes up to you on your first or second day and says, uh, it's casual Friday this Friday, so wear what you like. Except football tops, we don't allow football tops because it ends up with people talking about football all day and arguing and stuff, and it's just not worth it. So that's the one thing that you can't wear on Fridays. And it would then be like turning up on Friday in a football top and going, well, it doesn't say it in the handbook. Just because my boss told me, it doesn't count because it's not in the handbook. And that's all Red Bull are saying. They're saying, well, if it's in the regulations in the handbook, it's a rule. If it's down to the stewards to decide what it is, the boss, then we don't have to listen to them. <laughs> yeah, it's a good just, analogy. <laughs> it's like you wouldn't. If your boss tells you to do something, you just get you just put up and do it. Do you know what I mean? Regardless of whether somewhere else doesn't strictly define the same, you know, the same concept in the same way. It's uh it's mental. I, I don't think they'll win, but um we shall see. Hopefully not. And uh, I think that's bringing us nearly to the close of the um, uh, of the show. Um, have we done? What does China look like? No, we have not. I'm not. Even, I can't even remember what the track layout looks like. I need to look that up just now. <laughs> get get yourself on it. I'm. Um, I'm looking at it now. Mm. I think it looks like somebody doing the you know sign of the goat metal symbol, but sort of pointing forward. Right. You know, like you do the metal yeah. fingers in the air. It's like that pointing forward, but it's just a hand and it's on a sled. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely on a sled. I can see that. <laughs> it's either that or it's a decapitated bunny looking wistfully away into the uh, um, into the into the uh, horizon on you know a sled. It looks like it looks like a capo. Do you know what a capo oh, is? Yes, it, uh, it does look like a bit like a capo. <laughs> That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> Still, nobody seems to get my uh, my Bahrain. I've still not done a drawing yet of my Bahrain. Oh yes, a Bahrain animal thing. <laughs> yes, you you owe us that one very definitely. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going with Capo. That's my best bet for China. Fair enough. I think I'm going to go with decapitated bunny on a sled. That. Uh... <laughs> Or the head of a decapitated bunny. The head of a bunny on a sled. Yeah, I can definitely <laughs> also see that. <laughs> this is my favourite game. <laughs> <laughs> the China this weekend, which means another early one. Uh, I'll be up. Uh, yeah. Um, what time's it kicking off? Um, uh, crack it on. Seven o'clock, I think. Uh, probably up for that one. I'll, I'll have to see. Got a long week at work today. We'll see whether I... Uh, I dragged myself out of bed for that one. Um, I'll be hit. working on the Sunday, but um, I'll not be till after the race. So I'll, uh, just get, I'll just get up a bit earlier. Get it in. And then pop off to work. So. 
A uh, bit of a hit and miss circuit, isn't it, China? Sometimes Absolutely. it's all right. And... Good way to describe it, that, Petra Mess. Um, but after Bahrain, you know, I'm going in with an open mind. My mind is a playing field. It's, um... It, it's very sectiony, isn't it? You, you've got the big, long, sort of straighty bits of the first section. Then it goes into lots of really, what would appear to be quite sl sort of slow speed corners. And then a couple of, um sort of medium to, to high speed corners in the in the last section. So I'm not sure which teams it'll it'll suit other than Mercedes. Um I'm seeing it more along the lines of a sort of Malaysia-y type circuit. So I I'm wondering if we'll we'll see the Red Bulls have a bit more of a resurgence. Um, surprised. Be surprised, yeah. Which could um could spell disaster for McLaren and Williams who both seem to struggle with the uh Circuits that require more of an aero package. I expect Ferrari to be awful. <laughs> I, don't um, have, I don't think they'll be able to compete on the big straights with the power. You know. No. Although the Renaults are all down on power and it is there's a couple of very long long straights in there that... Um, You've got to fancy the Mercs and then the three Merc power teams. Yeah, it could be a good track for Force India, I think. Um I'm surprised at all if Force India are the, uh, the third... I can, again. I can, I can see them breezing past teams down the very long, the long straights. Actually, um, certainly, I think Ferrari could be could be getting passed by Force India a little bit more. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can sell them, but you know. <laughs> uh, not great, not great. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it though. Like I said, after Bahrain, you know, well, happen, so. I, I, you can't turn your nose up at any race, and can you? Really? Sometimes rains in China. I think. Occasionally, yeah. Yeah, it can be. Um, it is the season. Is the season to be murky? Um, in both senses of that word. That wasn't a pun, but uh, never mind. Yeah. Um, so, pick for the race. Out of two. Yeah, it's one or the other, and I'll just stick with my boy. I'll say Nico. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for Lewis, I think. Um, I was doing uh, a... A try cast the first three. I would, uh, I would say Nico from Lewis, and I would take Hulkenberg for third. Oh, to be fair, that's who I was going to go for third, but um, I think it could be one of the Red Bulls. So I'll stick my neck out and say um, Daniel Ricciardo. Um, okay, I went now. He did a good job at Bahrain, so yeah. And he's got his penalties out of the way now, so he's <laughs> yes, back. he should be back. And if you're right in suggesting that. Oh no no I'm, I'm don't listen to me I'm talking rubbish I was going to say of the of Mercs on their last engine but it was Bahrain that the last weekend that was their last batch I'm of that pretty engine, sure unless um, unless the Mercs think that they can drag it out another race well, that would be interesting that would because um, if they can do that then by the end of the season they'll be nine uncatchable because they'll be able to turn their last engine or two up to um, eleven and smoke them. That's it. They've been they're bloody, bloody uncatchable as it is anyway, probably. <laughs> I suspect so. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say Nico, Lewis for Paul, Nico to win. Okay, I'm going to go for Lewis for both. I think um, he's done well at China and before. Was it China we won his first GP? Uh, is it not China that he put it in the gravel in 2007 and he didn't win the World Championship? He uh, yes. I think it's China, and he's. Um, why am I thinking about something special for Lewis in China then? I'm not sure. That's pretty much the only thing I can really remember. Okay. From 
Revolution Sign. I he might have won. He probably has won there before. Quite quick, he would probably tell us the truth. But um, yeah, uh, that's the one thing that stands in my head. And and uh, ever Lewis going into the final turn and and binning it because Kimi managed to steal the world title off him. Of course. Yes. So yeah. Okay. It should be a decent one. I'm looking forward to it. I like that it's on an early morning. Usually, I hate the early morning ones, but I'm happy that it is because it means I'll get to see it before work. So <laughs> that's a big bonus. Excellent. Well, I think that wraps up the podcast nicely for this week. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us. Um, I hope you enjoyed my beautifully spoken Arabic introduction <laughs> this week. Uh, if Back, you have. Been. Uh, is it Mandarin or Cantonese? What we're going for? <laughs> uh, well, one or other. You you do Mandarin, I'll do Cantonese. Um, I think Mandarin is actually the easier one to speak, apparently, but um, I could be I'll wrong. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> no um, yeah, well, I hope you've uh, enjoyed listening to us this week. Um, as always, we hope that you're uh, tuning in from uh, from our website. It's modernfanatical.co.uk, where we post all of the episodes first and foremost. Um, if you're listening via our iTunes, we can subscribe again now. I have got it working, folks. Ooh. It is now working, and we will very slowly put on the missing episodes uh, week by week. Um, you can uh, obviously RSS feed the uh, the podcast website. Um, you can also connect up to our Facebook page, which is The Final Lap Podcast, if you search us out on uh, Facebook, and we obviously post all of the links to all our episodes on there. Uh, and you can leave us any messages if you want. You can message the podcast from there uh, or leave comments on our episodes. Um, or, of course, you can follow us all on Twitter. Uh, we have a show podcast uh, account, which is at Final Lap Podcast. You can catch me at Man Called Megs. And you can catch me at Fog on the Fourth. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. So, you know, please uh, follow us and keep up to date with everything that we're doing with the podcast and everything that we uh, think about in Formula One. Uh, and on that note, tune in again next week to hear our thoughts on the Chinese Grand Prix. Thanks very much for listening. Bye.